Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 26 of Namaste Bitches Podcast, a wellness podcast where I get people from all walks of life to give me one piece of advice and then we go from there. Right now, I am recording from a hotel room in Chester. It's very exciting. I have a show in this lovely town today, and it might be the most expensive show I've ever done for myself because I accidentally bought myself two train tickets to get here. So um, I am happy and poorer than I should be. Um, on this episode, I'm really excited. I got to talk to Summer Inanen. She is a body image coach, uh, and she has a best-selling book called Body Image Remix, Embrace Your Body and Unleash the Fierce, Confident Woman Within. She's created a 21-step program called the Body Image Remix. She's a, a life coach. She has her own podcast as well fearless rebel radio um she's just amazing and you can tell right at the beginning her piece of advice it literally flustered me uh because i just didn't expect her to say what she said so let's get right into it here is summer in it so summer what is your piece of advice my piece of advice is it's okay to not be beautiful oh wow that's that's a really good piece of advice. What Usually I ask the guests before I hit record what their piece of advice is so I have something in my head to respond with. Process, but you yeah. just threw me so much. I'm like I'm like but so how like do you are you talking specifically to women when you say that or everyone? Like, where does that come from in your mind? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, I, I mean, I, I coach body image. That's my area of expertise, my specialty, self-worth in particular. And so much of that is tied up in this idea that we have to be attractive and mm-hmm. this idea that we have to be beautiful. And I like to challenge the notion that we have to be beautiful. We don't, we're not all beautiful. I mean, we, we, we all have beautiful souls, you know, mm-hmm. or some of us. I mean, I don't, I actually don't think everybody does either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and we could talk about the American election, but we won't, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 but I think that there's so much pressure as, as a woman to meet a specific standard of beauty. And I think when you can, release yourself of having to um, meet that standard and put attractiveness and beauty much lower on your list of what makes you a worthy individual or take them off of your list of what makes you a worthy individual, it really sets you free. I mean, that's, that's a critical piece to having a positive body image and knowing that you are a valuable and worthy human regardless of how you look. And it trips people up when I say that, because as women, we've been told that being beautiful, being pretty is a badge of honor. Mm. And a lot of the things that I notice in the body positivity movement, especially as it relates to big corporate brands trying to co-opt it, is that, you know, they're trying to just say, we're all beautiful, you're all beautiful, but that's still putting the focus on the way that we look Mm -hmm. and our bodies and attractiveness and desirability And I think that that does a disservice to women because you don't hear the media telling men, you guys are all beautiful. Like if you, if you think about it that way, it's just, it's ridiculous. And so I like to kind of flip it upside down and just say, it's okay to not be beautiful. Yeah. If someone is going to take uh, being beautiful off uh, their list of what makes them worthy as a human, or if they're going to put it down lower on the list, what do you think is the most important thing a person should focus on? Knowing who they are and knowing that who they are is valuable and worthy. And so that, that's going to be a different, that's going to be different for every single person because we're all unique, Yeah, you know, and that's, and, and really just focusing on what makes you authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what makes you, you, what, what is your purpose here? What are you contributing to the world beyond just the way that you the way that you look our currency as women has always been in our appearance Mm -hmm. and so um you know even when I was a kid growing up it was always you know people telling me like you're oh you're so beautiful you're pretty like um and 
I think that it would have been a, an entirely different situation as it relates to my own relationship with body image if uh, if I had been told that less and if I had been told that, you know, the, the things that make you great are that you're kind, that you're compassionate, that you try really hard, that you put in a lot of effort, that you persevere. Like all of these things are, are really at my core who I am. Um, and that gets that gets watered down. And we, we are just so out of touch with that when we're so hyper focused on the way that we look. And um, and I don't and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with like changing the way that you look or wanting to make yourself look better to you. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like I'm sitting here with, you know, dyed blonde hair and like I I do put effort into the way that I look, but it's, it's from a perspective of like, I just enjoy doing that for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I, if I don't have my shit together and I look messy, like I, I'm okay with it. And when I grow old and things are saggy and wrinkly and gravity has, you know, taken its toll, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be okay with it. And I think that that's what I noticed because I work with a lot of women who are, you know, over 40 and in even, and even older than that. And when you've been putting so much of a focus on the way that you look and your identity has been tied up in your appearance, you start to have this kind of crisis when you're older, when that becomes something that you can't even control anymore, because you're just your your body's going to do what it's going to do. Yeah. Wow. All right. So let's stop it. Sorry, my boyfriend's dancing. Um, let's back up for a second. Uh, you, so you're a body comp. Wait. Your body confidence coach or body positive image. image. Thank you. Sorry. Body image coach. So what exactly does that mean? So I'm a professionally trained coach through a couple of different coaching programs. Mm -hmm. One of them being the internationally renowned coaches training Institute. So, I mean, essentially I'm a life coach, but Mm -hmm. my area of expertise is in helping women to feel comfortable in their body and helping them to overcome the stuff that's underneath that because the way that we feel about our body is not doesn't have anything to do with our actual body Mm -hmm. it has to do with this idea that we are inferior and that we're not good enough and uh, so when I work with women it's about unpacking that and helping them to change the way that they think about themselves and helping them to cultivate this belief that who they are is valuable and worthy and also helping them to understand who they are outside of appearance. Because when you've been putting your focus on appearance and dieting specifically, a lot, most of the women I work with have been chronic dieters, they're ex dieters. Um, when all your focus has been on like the food that you eat and like whatever healthy lifestyle you're following, you don't even know who you are anymore mm-hmm. and all of your values change and everything that's important to you has changed. And so I help them to really understand who they are, get comfortable with who they are and believe that who they are is valuable. So that that in a nutshell is what what I do with with people. How how did this become your work? How did you get involved in uh, body image and what brought you here? When I was a kid growing up, I never felt comfortable in my body. I was bullied a lot for my body. Uh, and I was always super self-conscious. I was never confident. My mom was a chronic dieter. She was always fixated on her weight. Um, I, from a very young age, I developed a belief that, uh, you know, fat was bad and thin was good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as a result, I took that out on myself and, um, did everything in my power to try to make myself smaller. So I became a chronic dieter and that lasted for many years and escalated into pretty obsessive dieting and exercise addiction as I got older. And it wasn't until I hit a point where I had a bit of a hormonal breakdown that I realized the issue wasn't my body. The issue was how I felt about my body. Mm -hmm. And I went through my own awakening, you could call it, or just, you know, finally growing up (laughs) and realizing that um, all of this stuff been like kind of building up over the years. And I did a ton of work on my own body image and the way that I felt about myself and my self-worth. And I realized that at the time I was practicing as a nutritionist and I was actually helping women with with weight loss. And I realized that I was just contributing to the issue in our culture. Mm. And I was contributing to um, women's obsession with thinness and recognizing that that was really a problem because all these women were coming to me wanting to lose weight and they were never happy. They were never satisfied. Even when they did, it was never enough. 
Um, and that had been my experience with it as well. So uh, as I went through my own transformation, my entire business changed and uh, I went back to become a, a, a coach, like a professionally trained coach instead of a nutritionist. Yeah. My nose is running. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, one reason why I w was really excited to get you on Summer is I think the work you do is so interesting and so important. And at the same time, I'm like also conflicted about it because – like, I 100% believe at health in any size. Like, I 100% believe that. But I don't necessarily always believe it about myself. And the idea of not being concerned about uh, what you eat. Like, maybe uh, some people might not be a full-on, like, doing a strict diet of one way or the other. But I feel like so many of us are concerned about what we're putting in our body all the time. Like how, how, how does the work even begin to dispel that st stigma? Is stigma the right word? Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what you're asking, but I think I'll just clear up what health at every size is about. Okay. Health at every size is about a focus on health from a weight neutral perspective. So looking at making changes such as nutritional changes, incorporating movement into your life, a focus on health, but taking weight out of the equation and letting your weight land wherever it lands. And, okay. Yeah. Keep talking and then I'll, I'll clarify what I was trying to say, but go on. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think sometimes people look at some of the, maybe on Instagram, like body positivity stuff or anti-dieting stuff, and they see women like eating cupcakes and eating cake. And, and of course you can eat whatever you damn well, please. You know, I think it's, it's your body, it's your business, it's your health, it's your business. You can practice body positivity without investing in health at every size that like, it doesn't, you're, you can choose how you want, how you want to do that. But I think that, you know, there's this, this kind of, there's this myth that, um, or this misunderstanding about health at every size, that it means you can actually be healthy at every single size. And that's not true. It mm -hmm. means that every person has a size where they're going to be the most healthy when they are nourishing themselves and moving their bodies in a way that's not obsessive and where they're not compromising their emotional well-being. Yeah. So it's finding this sweet spot, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Where you don't become obsessive with it. I mean, for me, like I was thinner and I was a lot less healthy. I probably eat at least twice as much more food now. I'm a lot fitter and I'm at, I'm at a bigger, I'm at, I'm a bigger size, but I'm so much more happy. I'm so much happier. Like I can, I can eat whatever I want. I can run farther. I can run faster. I can hike longer. Like it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like all these kind of, you know, bullshit beliefs that we're fed. And then when you start to unravel them and really look at the science behind them and then also through your own experience, you realize that a lot of it is just simply untrue. I guess what I was trying to ask earlier is just how does the work start to the to allow yourself to let your body land where it is healthy? So in my mind, and I think a lot of people's mind, if I do so much exercise in a certain way, I should look like X. And if that yeah. doesn't happen, then I should adopt a more hardcore way of living in order to get to X. So that's like, how do, what, what, what are you having women do to just get, to just d get rid of those thoughts? Does that, well, I, am I, I being know, clear I now? Yeah, I think so. It, it's really dependent on the individual. So for me specifically, the majority of women I work with are coming from a background of chronic dieting. Yeah. And so it, it, that it takes a while to recover from. So there's like a recovery phase. And via that recovery phase, the pendulum often swings in the other direction. So if you were depriving yourself of, you know, X food groups and X amount of calories, and you give yourself full permission and allowance to just eat what you want when you want it, 
it's, it's kind of a scary place in the beginning because you're like, oh my God, I'm eating all these foods. Like it's so much more than I'm used to. And, and it, it feels a bit icky and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But the point of that phase is to recover, to end the idea that you're in a famine. So when you are dieting, your brain thinks that it's a famine. Yeah. And, and your, your, your brain then stores whatever you do eat as fat because it's like trying to hang on. And it results in binges because it's trying to just make up for the starvation that's happening or perceived starvation even. Uh, And so to to recover from that, we have to get to a place where your body and your brain know that food is abundant. It's not going anywhere and you can have it anytime you want. And then it usually comes back into the middle. And that's when, for the most part, most people start to naturally crave things like vegetables and more whole foods and they're not as drawn to the things like you know desserts and and things like that not that there's anything wrong with that if you want to eat that that's your prerogative Mm -hmm. but because you've built up this this trust and you know that those foods are not going anywhere anymore Um, and that's really hard for people to believe because we've been told for so long that we don't that, that we can't trust ourselves. Mm. You know, the diet industry thrives on this belief that we can't trust ourselves. But when you truly let go and you give yourself that permission, like it's amazing how many people will come to me six months later and be like, I forgot about ice cream in my freezer. That used to be a food that I couldn't even have in my house because I would just keep eating and eating and eating. Yeah. Uh, you know, people who thought that they could never be that person that just had one bite of something and left it. I was that person. I, I thought to myself, I could I could never, ever have, you know, certain desserts in my house. Like I would eat the whole pan and I thought I was quote unquote addicted. When I finally just allowed myself to have it whenever I wanted it, it quickly became pretty, uh, pretty uninteresting. I don't know if that's actually a word, but it, it didn't interest me anymore. And it be, and I became one of those people that like forgot about food in my freezer, forgot about ice cream in my freezer or had one bite. Like the other day I had one bite of ice cream and then I was like, I don't, I kind of feel like a pear and I had a pear instead. And I was like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, and then, so there's that. And then there's sometimes there's people where it's a little bit more intentional. So, you know, it's, it's instead of just them completely getting to a place where they trust their bodies, they need a bit of guidance. So whether that is from working with a practitioner where they can just be a little bit more intentional with, all right, let's try adding more of these foods into your diet. But you have to get to a point where you're eating enough, you've allowed yourself the foods, and then you can start to be either more intuitive and or intentional with your eating mm-hmm. to, to focus, focus on it from a nourishment and health perspective. How cool is summer, everybody? I think she's so interesting, and I learned so much talking to her uh, in this hour. I hope you guys are learning a lot as well. In this next section, we talk about how to implicate, implement, excuse me, how to implement uh, it's okay not to be beautiful into your life. And I also ask how uh, if someone can have aesthetic goals and still be body confident and I think her answers are really on point and interesting she also has an audio book coming out she has a book it's now an audio form we talk about that by the time this is released uh, it should be out so please check that out and I have a favor to ask you myself some of you guys might be new to Namaste Bitches Podcast. If you are, welcome. We have a Facebook page, Namaste Bitches Podcast, on Facebook page. And if you like this episode, please go and listen to some of the other episodes. There's a lot of great people with great information. Um, I don't want to brag, guys. I book some good guests. And if you like them, please go on to iTunes, rate and review the show, share it with a friend. Um, it would mean the world to me if get just more people listening and create create a little community among ourselves so uh rate and review the podcast on itunes or even on stitcher if you can and please join the group on facebook namaste bitches podcast and uh i think that's enough for me right now let's get back to summer i was talking to a friend the other day about whenever i've tried to go onto a diet that eliminates a thing so like for instance carbs are a big eliminator i'll i'll try to stay inspired by reading articles and stuff about that diet and everyone will talk about 
donuts and ice cream specifically. So I'll start craving them. And yeah. about six months ago, I realized I don't actually like ice cream. I mm-hmm. genuinely only eat it when I'm told I'm not allowed to eat it. That's the right. Most. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, I find it's, it seems so simple, yet why is it so tricky for us just to find the middle ground? Because from a very young age, a lot of us are, are like, we're born intuitive eaters. Mm-hmm. We're born knowing when we're hungry, knowing when we're full, and having natural preferences. And uh, from a very young age, most of us are, that's stripped away because our parents will say to us, eat what's ever on your plate, or uh, that food is bad, that food is good, or you can't have that, like, you, um, or you have to eat this before you have that. And, you know, the, I'm not going to get into, like, the parenting side of it, because that's definitely not my area of expertise, and there's a lot of amazing books out there on how to raise an intuitive eater, um, specifically the Ellen Satter Institute, for anybody that's potentially listening who has children. But the, the reason why we lose that and why it seems so difficult is because it's often taken away from us at a young age. Um, and, you know, for, for me, myself, I don't remember a time when food wasn't something that was very much heavily controlled in my household. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I wasn't I wasn't even allowed Cheerios because there was sugar in it. But then on weekends, we could eat whatever we wanted. So I was I from a very young age, I was in this like restrict binge cycle mm-hmm. uh, that lasted for decades. So that everybody's situation is going to be different. Some people, it, you know, they didn't start dieting until they were in high school or or college, in which case they can often get back to their natural tendencies and rhythms a little bit quicker than people who were maybe put on a diet or some kind of restrictive eating when they were when they were kids. So, and it's daunting then because everywhere we turn, that we're those this belief that we actually can trust ourselves is being challenged day in and day out by the media mm-hmm. and dieting culture. Have people in your family? Uh benefited from the work you've done like so you said you grew up in a house where it was like restrict binge restrict binge has anyone in your immediate family seen what you've done and been able to uh stop dieting and stuff or is it all too close to home I think it's all, I'm kind of laughing because I'm like, oh God, I think it's all too, it's all too close to home. You know, my, yeah. my, I wrote a book on it. You know, I, I wrote a book, I have a book and my, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure it's like really hit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell me, tell my mom's going to do what she's going to do. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I feel you there. <laughs> and I can appreciate that about her. And I think I think part of that really drives me to, to change the legacy for other people. And, uh, you know, part of that really just inspires me to keep doing this work for others and to inspire, inspire other women who are going to, you know, have generations of women after them to, to, teach, their, to teach their children a different way. Yeah. Tell me about the book you wrote. So the book I wrote is called Body Image Remix, and it's a it, it's a guide to feeling more comfortable in your body today. So it goes through, you know, where our body is, image issues come from, um, the media's influence on our body image, and then uh, how to start to change it. So deconstructing uh, the different elements that can help you to start feeling more comfortable in your body. So it's got some some specific actionable steps in there as well as a lot of journal prompts. And it looks at it from mainly a psychological perspective as it relates to the different influences that um, that that in, that create the way that we feel about our body and then how to start to change those beliefs about ourselves and talking about like what our self-worth is and where that comes from and how to build up a solid sense of self-worth and confidence. And it's coming out in audio form soon, right? Yeah. So the, the written book has been out for um, just over a year and then the audio book is going to be released sometime in February, fingers crossed, which was definitely a lot bigger of a project than I ever imagined it being. Did be. you- did you do the audio for it? Yes. Yes. Oh, good. Yes. Yes. I'll send you a preview of it because uh, it, it is completed. But it took. I thought. I, I thought I could whip this out and like th- I could bang this out in three hours. And I was. Wow. Was I really wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I think if I had recorded it when I wrote it, I probably would have. But because I hadn't picked it back up again in uh, in about a year, it was like reading something for the first time, and I had to 
get back into the groove with it, of it. Anyways, long story short, it's coming out in Feb. <laughs> were, were you reminded uh, of your own good ideas? Did you read a chapter and were you ever like, oh, yeah, that was yeah. that's a great yeah, idea. Absolutely. It's funny that you say that because I, I thought I would hate it because, you know, you evolve – and a lot of the content I had written probably two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to hate this. And I, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, no. I was like, okay. Well, I was like, that sounds good. Okay, that's like a quote. You know, put that on a meme. Um, but uh, I didn't hate it. I, I think that I, I'm generally I – t- I tend to be a little bit hard on myself. But uh, I, I, I would love to do an, another version that's – got a little bit more depth to it, especially as it relates to the social influences of our of our body image and really looking at body positivity from a social justice and political perspective. This is very much like body image from a psychological perspective. But I think bringing the two together would would have been even better. So keep that I'll keep that on my radar for the future. So you're a um, you're a coach, you're an author, you're a podcaster. And then would you also call yourself an activist? I Yes. I mean, I, I, yes, I think that activism can take different forms and I, I, you know, that's definitely not my primary thing that I do, but I think even via my work and my podcast there, it, that's a form of activism to me because it's putting the message out there. It's bringing other people's voices that need to be heard into the mix and allowing, giving them a platform to do that. Uh, I've certainly become more of an activist in the last year than I than I was prior to that. I was very much looking at it through uh, more of a vacuum, and now I think I I really see it from the uh, you know an intersectional feminist perspective, which uh, I'm trying I'm I'm definitely trying to do better from 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 that standpoint uh, using my platform and specifically social media. Yeah, um, yeah, because I feel like just by putting out all the work that you do, it changes so many minds. And that's just such a beautiful form of grassroots activism. As far as it's okay not to be beautiful, how does someone put that into their own life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of a big question to ask yourself in that, who, who are you without that? Mm. Like, and a lot of times people have no idea. It can be a very kind of daunting and scary question. It's like, what would be different if your appearance didn't matter? What would you be doing differently? What's truly important to you? So those are, I mean, that's, those are some questions that you can start to ask yourself to unfold, you know, self-exploration, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to really look inside, look inside and see like who, who you are. Um, you know, what's your purpose here? Like, what, what do you, what do you want to leave behind? Because I think for the most part, people don't want, she, all she ever wanted was a tight ass on their gravestone, (laughs) you know, like that's that, and no offense if somebody does want that, but I think that, you know, especially when you start to read, um, there's always these blog posts, like the top five pieces of advice from people who are, you know, in their nineties or whatever. And, and it's, it's always, to just appreciate the moments and that people matter more than things. And, you know, your appearance doesn't matter. Like there's just all these other things that are more important. Like what you can start to ask like big questions to yourself. Like, what would you, if if you died tomorrow, what would you regret not doing? Like there's just all these things that you can open up and start to think about and pursue and exhibit it within yourself. Um, I feel like that's really taking it from like a more meta level than like a practical level. But mm-hmm. uh, it's I feel like that looks different for everybody. But from a practical level, it's just starting to buy out of the culture, like starting to buy out of this idea that our bodies define who we are. And that that can mean changing your media. It can mean educating yourself on on body positivity and like why that's an important thing and why that is a social justice issue. Um starting to uh, get rid of things that chain you to your, the way that you look like your, you know, your scale and um, any kind of other tracking things that you use, whether it's like maybe you use a measuring tape and get like, get rid of clothes that don't fit, like just stuff like that, that takes the focus away from your body and helps you to just start be more embodied with who you are. Mm -hmm. 
can someone be body confident and have aesthetic goals at the same time? You know, it's such a, that's such an interesting question because I think that it's it's really about asking yourself why. I know why. And would you be okay if you weren't able to achieve that? Because I think uh, oftentimes when we think aesthetic goals, we think weight loss. And, you know, my, my feelings on this are you know, intentional weight loss and body positivity don't go together because body positivity is really uh, rooted in, in fat acceptance and size acceptance. And you are essentially saying that you're not doing anything to eradicate that, that form of discrimination by forcibly trying to change your weight. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the aesthetic perspective on weight loss. And that's why I always just ask people like, why do you want to lose weight? And if it's like to be more confident or to be healthier, I'm like, okay, well let's focus on being more confident and being healthier and letting your body do whatever it's going to do. Because the reality is your weight might go up, it might go down, it might stay the same. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Other aesthetic goals, like, I don't know, I want to, you know, make my arms look more like quote unquote toned. I think it's just about asking yourself again, why? And like, are you going to be okay if it doesn't work out that way? Because a lot of times we get so obsessed with it that it becomes more of, uh, we go to disordered measures in order to try and achieve it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, like for me, I wanted abs, but I'm not meant to have, uh, like I'm not meant to have that. <laughs> You know, I, I didn't want cellulite, like, but I'm not meant to not have it. So yeah. it got to the point where that I was so obsessed with like making myself smaller that it was literally my purpose to try and make myself smaller. And that became super disordered for me. But if somebody is like confident in their body and they don't really care either way if it changes or not, and they're like, you know, I'm going to try doing this to try and I don't know, make my traps look bigger or whatever. Yeah. I mean, all the power to you do it. You can do whatever you want with your body. Um, because we could then start to make the comparison to like, well, what's the difference between like dyeing your hair and, you know, not dyeing your hair, growing out your armpit hair. Like you can do whatever you want from an aesthetics perspective, but I think within yourself, it's important to deconstruct why that matters so much to you. And if you aren't able to achieve it, like, are you going to be okay with yourself? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I feel like so many people at uh, different parts of their life are chasing a six pack, like you mentioned, wanting abs. And anyone I've ever met who has them, or or I've heard people on podcasts who are like fitness people talk about having abs, either they say they've dieted extreme to have them, or they just shrug and are like, it's genetics. It's mainly, yeah, I mean, for something like that, it is primarily genetics. I mean, I'm genetically I'm definitely I've got a small waist like I have a really small rib cage so for the most part like you can actually see a little bit of definition when my first ab or two but then like that's it and all my like I tend to have a bigger backside and hips and stuff like that and you know when I was in high school that wasn't trendy I mean now it is uh, not that that really matters to me but um you know like back when I was when I was really into dieting and stuff like it was trying to look like Kate Moss, you know, (laughs) it's like my body is not meant to look like that, you know, or like some of these like CrossFit women, like my body is just not meant to, to look like that. And I think it's just, you know, you can drive yourself nuts trying to fit yourself into a mold that you're not meant to be in. Uh, It's important to recognize that we're meant to look different. You know, in, in, in my book, I say we're not golden retrievers, you know, we're, we're meant to have different body sizes and different body shapes. And we're all trying to fit into this one mold. And even from a logical perspective, it makes no sense. When Summer talked about deconstructing your aesthetic goals and if you have them, ask yourself why you have them and how will you feel if you are unable to meet them. I thought that was so interesting because that's never something I've asked myself. I've had aesthetic goals and uh, if I haven't reached them before, I've gotten really mad at myself or I've done insane things to reach them, but I've never before going down that path ever asked myself how I would feel if that thought or that goal is not in my wheelhouse at the moment. I think it's just a really healthy thing to ask yourself and um, it's something I've been thinking about lately. I found it really interesting. 
In this next section, uh, Summer talks about her programs. She runs several online courses. Uh, By the way, if you can't tell, we did this via Skype. She's in Canada. I am in London. Except for right now, I'm in Chester. This is coming at you from all over the world, really. I mean, the Internet's an amazing thing. But she has several several programs. If you want to know more about them, go to summerinandin.com or thebodycoach.com. I will put her... Her faith, her, uh, sorry, excuse me, her website in the show notes, so you can click and go to that. She does have a free 10-day body confidence makeover that I did, and I recommend because uh, I mean, how can that not be good for you? Go check that out. Um, just a little plug for my own thing. If you go to abigailia.com. And right on the front page, it shows that I will be at the Glasgow Comedy Festival, March 9th and 10th, 7.30 p.m., performing at Bob's Blunderbuss. Um, Guys, I've been working on an Edinburgh show. It's about health and fitness and addiction. I think it's... I meant it to turn out to be something different than what it is now, but I think... I think it's a good show, and I'm really excited to share it with you. So, if you are in Glasgow, or you know someone who is in Glasgow, send them my way. Uh, I'd really love to share the show with them. And uh, other dates come up all the time, so check out my Twitter, check out my website, my Facebook feed. All that stuff will list all of my upcoming previews leading up to the Edinburgh Fringe. But before you go and book tickets to my shows, which you should totally do, let's get back to summer. When you work with people, you work with people all around the world. What exactly, what are your programs like? You have a couple things you do. Yeah, so I, I kind of have three, I, I'm not kind of, I have three different offerings. One of them is is a do-it-yourself 21-step body image remix, which is 21 steps that you can take to build up a solid foundation. So that's what I recommend for people who are newer to this work that haven't really done anything to help promote a positive body image and they want to build a foundation for it to continue to grow. Uh, Then uh, beyond that, I have an online group program called Rock Your Body, which runs um, in March date. The specific date is TBD. That's a three-month intensive group coaching program that incorporates an online course. So you get a new tutorial every week with uh, audio lessons and a workbook, as well as a group coaching from an individual coaching from me. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's amazing. It's amazing because I love that program so much because when you're doing this work with other women, there's something really powerful that happens because you can often feel like you're alone when you are doing this work. If, if you're trying to navigate it in amongst other people that are still invested in dieting culture. Mm-hmm. And so I love the group aspect of it because you get, I get these women together and then they support each other and they help each other and they really build up all these connections and then they don't feel so alone. Um, and they realize that they aren't alone. And then my private coaching is kind of the, the VIP experience. And that's, that's really just individualized for people who are done with dieting and they want to feel good in their body and they, they prefer to do it in a one-on-one perspective versus a group. So your Rock Your Body, the the twelve week course, right? It's twelve weeks. Yes. How how many people are go through it at one time? It it depends. So it's you know it's generally between like twenty to thirty that, and I mean I hope more. (laughs) I wasn't sure. I guess I was asking. Do you you don't cap it? You aren't like only twelve people. No, I haven't had to yet. Uh, I do enjoy having a bit of a personal relationship with the women. Like I like to know their name uh, so that when I talk to them on the group calls, I, I remember, okay, what, what did we talk about the week before? Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't gotten to a point where that's been something that I haven't been able to to manage yet. So that is, uh, we'll see how things, I mean, I hope more women do it and I hope I get to the point where I have to split it into two groups or run it more frequently. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's ultimately the goal. What's uh what's your favorite part of what you do? My favorite part is seeing is is hearing from women months especially months later who just 
tell me that their lives are completely changed and that they're so much happier. Recently, I've had three (laughs) ex-clients tell me that they're having babies and that they never would have done that, been able to do that before and feel so good about themselves and that they're not worried at all about their bodies changing and that they are just so grateful that they're in this place where they don't think about their body negatively at all anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, That to me is so rewarding. Like just seeing women live, you know, I think so much, so many of us are just so focused on shrinking and hiding and don't tag me in that photo or don't post that picture or I got to cover up when I go to the beach or I can't eat that. Like we're just living in these prisons. And when I see women just living, like just fully, fully engaging in their life and the, the people that are around them and connecting with them on a whole new level because they're not inside their own head thinking negatively about themselves anymore. That is the best part of what, what I do. I love, I love, I mean, I love from, I love coaching. I love writing. Um, but you know, just seeing, seeing women come back to me and say the, the impact that I've had on their lives and how much their lives have changed is, is absolutely the most rewarding. Yeah. As you were starting, uh, this work, who were your, uh, who were your mentors or who were your greatest teachers as it came to, uh, body image and confidence and stuff? I, yeah, it's, you know, what's so interesting is that a lot of the, a lot of the people that I credit with my own, um, transformation didn't really do anything to do with body image because like I said, nothing really is your body image stuff. It doesn't really have to do with your body. And I didn't really discover this world of body positivity online until I had already been doing this work with clients. So for me, you know, if I were to say like some books that like radically changed my life, there's one that's called when women stop hating their bodies by, um, Carol Munter and Jane Hirschman, which was probably the first body image book that I read that really blew my mind. Like that put so many of the pieces into place for me. And then beyond that, Brene Brown's books really helped me to recognize that it once I realized it wasn't about my body, which is what I learned from when women stop hating their bodies. And then I started, and then I really got into Brene Brown stuff and understanding like the role of perfectionism and how that contributes to this feeling of not good enough and knowing that not good enough is all about self-worth like that. Her work really inspired me and kind of opened that up. Um, Kristen Neff was another one that wrote the book self-compassion that, you know, her work on compassion because compassion is such an important component to changing the way that we speak to ourselves and, and, and our thoughts. So it's funny cause I don't really have, <clears throat> I would say my, the people that I really look up to now are women like Virgie Tovar, um, you know, women like, uh, Reagan Chastain and, uh, and Jess Baker. Like those are the kind of body positive people that I, that I really admire and that I've learned a ton from, uh, in the last, in the last couple of years, but prior to that, they weren't on my radar. So I was kind of navigating this from a different perspective. Interesting. Um, so of all the people that you have learned from as well, ha- do you have like a big aha moment? Like, like a little gym that you're like, that's that totally turned things around for you. Like a, like a piece of wisdom or, or a saying that you were just like, wow. Yeah. I'm trying to think of it. I mean, I, one of the big transformational moments for me was when I smashed my scale with my sledgehammer for a photo shoot. I those did are great pictures by the way. So those are more recent ones. I did it again. Um, but when I first did it about four years ago, it was funny because I, you know, I had stopped weighing myself and I was like, you know, get rid of your scale, but I had never done something to physically destroy it. And I think that that was this, it represented really breaking up with dieting culture and releasing some of the aggression on, uh, you know, that the anger inside of me that I had towards like this, the, the culture and the society, it represented the culture and the society that, had taught us to hate ourselves. And so that was it. That was like a, that was a light bulb moment for me because it was like, from that point forward, I was like, I'm never going back. Um, and I think that that's, that's a transformational moment for a lot of women. When I have clients do that, when I have, um, 
women in my programs do that. I mean, it's optional. Nobody has to do that, but yeah. I always encourage them to, because I'm like, you're trust me, like you're going to feel better. It's going to be like a moment for you. It's <laughs> and fun it's to always smash ends. stuff. It is. It is. It's so fun to smash stuff. So I, I've done it a couple of times since for different photo shoots and it never gets old. I love it. Um, I'm trying to think of a different circumstance where, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I, uh, I, you know, there's this, there's this one woman in my life who, her name's Carrie Ann Livingston. She's been on my podcast before. She's a, she's a coach as well. She lives close to me. Uh, and she said something on my podcast once, which was somebody hates you. <laughs> somebody hates you. And, uh, that was kind of like that. It's okay to not be beautiful. Like where I was like, what? I was like, what? Like somebody hates you. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like, what if I was okay with somebody hating me? Mm-hmm. And then, and then that just released so many different things. Like my head exploded because we're trying so hard to gain, uh, to gain, uh, acceptance from other people. Like that's essentially what we're doing by changing our bodies is we're trying to gain acceptance from other people. And so to get comfortable with the fact that some people don't like you and that some people hate you is so liberating because then you just don't even have to worry about it anymore. It's like, why am I spending so much time trying to conform and trying to gain acceptance from all these people? Cause the more that you do that, the less you are true to who you are. Yeah. And I think so many of us are walking around trying to, trying to adapt to, uh, you know, to, to the situations that we're in. I, I called myself a chameleon because I was always just trying to fit in to be cool, to be accepted And when I finally was just like, well, some people just aren't going to like me and some people might even hate me. uh, God, did it make it so much easier, especially having a public presence. You know, now I just really don't give a shit. Like, I'm like, whatever. Somebody doesn't like me, like, bring it. I don't care. Like, you're not I'm not here to please you. I'm here to, you know, speak my truth and help people who want to listen. And sometimes my message is going to resonate with some people and, and sometimes it's not. And that's 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 fine. And wow, is that freeing. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. As you're saying, like, we're all searching for acceptance. I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm like, yeah, no, I do it every night. Like, it's literally my job to stand on stage and be like, like me? Like me? Like me enough to laugh? Hey, anyone? Um, But that was build up, sorry, that was build up so much resiliency, though. Like, to see, I think that there's something about that, like, facing that rejection, facing that judgment, exposing yourself to those situations Mm. that would make you, like, so resilient and badass. Like, I think that that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely fun. And you do get a, uh, like, because, like you said, not everyone likes you. So sometimes you do stand on stage and it doesn't work in front of everyone who's watching you and but there's a moment you when it whenever it happens for me I get off stage and I'm like all right was it them or was it me and if it was me um I'm like okay I know what I did wrong we'll be fine uh and if it was a, a room that um didn't like me and I can't figure out if if I can't figure out how I might have misstepped as an entertainer uh, mm-hmm. then I'm just, uh, I eventually just go, oh, fuck it. And then you do it again. You, you know, you get up another night. So that's, but that's just do. sane perspective. I think like the, I, I would, I would guess that a lot of people and not, not probably not in your field cause they wouldn't be able to hack it. But a lot of us walk around just trying to shield ourselves from any kind of rejection and trying to just do whatever we can to please others. And then when it doesn't work out, we just like, we're crushed. We're Mm. literally crushed and we never go back out and try again. And so I think like hearing you speak about it from that way, as someone who coaches a lot of women, I'm like, damn, that's like, that's really sane. And that's so solid of you to (laughs) to be approaching it in that way. Like, just like, okay, I can either take the feedback and use it and look at it without thinking like I'm a bad person and just think, well, I could have done this differently. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's really humbling and that's I think the way that a lot of us um should strive to be yeah yeah oh thanks man yeah as your coach I'm impressed (laughs) oh thank you thank you um yeah I I think uh we're pretty good to um wrap up I'm really excited that your book is coming out on audio um I think that's super awesome I will say uh another um your book's coming out on audio. You have the Rock Your Body 12-week course coming up starting in March. 
And uh, this, I, I failed as a researcher, but uh, you have your, on your website, your 10-day uh, body confidence makeover thing, which is something yes. that can be emailed, which I was like, I'm going to do that before I talk to Summer to be like, oh, I've been through one of your courses. And then I was like, oh, it's Thursday. I should probably download that. So uh, by the time this comes out, I will have completed it. So I'm very excited about that. <laughs> yeah, that's getting, that's getting a bit of an update because uh, I'm actually getting a new website in the next few weeks. But um, that's a, I mean, it's free. First yeah. of all, it's free. And it's 10, yeah, it's 10 steps that you can take to just start to, to feel better in your body. And it covers some of the foundational stuff that is um that's really important to to moving forward and uh yeah it's it, it that's at com forward slash freebies mm-hmm. awesome well like i said i th- i think we're uh i think we're good here um thank you so much for taking the time so uh we know all about the rock your body the 12-week course and your books uh coming out in the audio version in February, how, if people want to reach out to you, how, what's the best way to do that? The best way to find me is at summerinandin.com. And, uh, you can just go to the body Cause I recognize that nobody okay. can spell my name. Uh, so the body and that will be, uh, the central place to find everything, including a link to the book. Um, access to the free 10 day body confidence makeover information about how to work with me and my my programs including rock your body as well as um the name of my podcast which is fearless rebel radio uh which you can also find on itunes thank you big fan Um, thank you awesome all right well before you go um can you just give your piece of advice one more time it's okay to not be beautiful i love that awesome thank you so much So that's it, guys. That is Summer Inanen. Go to her website, summerinanen.com. Buy her book, uh, take her courses, do all the things, reach out to her on the Instagram. All that information is in the show notes. And of course, you can reach out to me through the Facebook page, Namaste Bitches Podcast, and take some time and rate and review the podcast on Stitcher or iTunes so more people know about it. And like I said, we can. We can build on our community that we already have. Uh, Enjoy your day. Have a good one. Namaste.